Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. I want to begin with uh, a little maybe insight into me. So my son got a basketball goal for Christmas, right? And this was one of those that will raise and lower so that people like me can slam dunk, right? Because I like to do that. And so we had big plans for a slam dunk contest in the driveway with this nice new basketball goal. And so I go out like many dads do after Christmas, and I begin to assemble the basketball goal. So I, you know, I drag this massive box out of the garage. I lay all the pieces out in my driveway, and I glance at the instructions. It's got a diagram, and I'm like, duh, right? Like, I'm surely I can figure this out. And so I grab the, the two uh, main pieces that make the pole stand up in the air, And I start to put those together, and it says to bang them together. So I'm like banging these things together in my driveway. And then I go to the next page of my instruction manual, only to realize, you you know where this is going, right? You, You already know. The very first thing that I put together was totally wrong. Like, I, I missed a piece in the middle, and so top height for this basketball goal is about like, you know, six feet in the air. So... It was a terrible, heartbreaking moment for my son when I told him, dad is incompetent and I can't figure out how to put the goal together. We're talking about purpose. We're in a series called Purpose right now. And we have a designer. Like the the person that designed that goal, he designed it to be put together in a certain way. And when you put it together in that way, you get to fulfill the purpose of the goal, which is to play basketball and have slam dunk contests in your driveway. But because I had gotten the pieces out of order, my, basket, my basketball goal is, is laying, laying in pieces in my garage right now. And I was thinking about our lives, that as we talk about what our purpose is, how God designed us, I want us to understand that this isn't just like religious stuff. This is how God made you to live, to live out your purpose. And when we skip God's instructions, we wind up with a life in pieces, laying on the ground, And we've missed out on the purpose that God has for us. And so today, we're going to continue on. Last week, we talked about walking with God as our first and primary purpose, that we were designed to walk with God. We looked back at the garden in Genesis. Today, we're talking about grow in community. Our second purpose is grow in community. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have a copy of the scripture, want to go there with me right now. And we're going to look at some instructions that Paul's giving to a church in Corinth. So this was a church. Paul's writing to them. And he's giving them some instructions on how this thing kind of fits together. 
how, how to assemble the body of Christ. And, and this was a church that was, um, I, I, I think their services would have been really exciting because they had all kinds of spiritual gifts and things happening. And so he's trying to give them some understanding and some order. That's the context of what we're going to read. But what we are going to see is Paul's instructions on assembling the body of Christ. We're going to start in verse 12. And here's what he says. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. Let's keep going. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it now. You are the body of Christ and individual members of it. This is the word of the Lord. So Paul, he's giving instructions to a church, trying to figure out how they fit together, and he's clearly trying to help them understand their unity. In fact, he does an, a brilliant job of talking about diversity, different kinds of parts in one body, unity, diversity, and unity. And as we talk about grow in community, I want you to understand the word community is simply a smashing together of common and unity. That God has designed us to grow in a community, common unity. And the first thing that I want us to understand is that when you're born again, you're born into God's family. I'm going to say that again. When you're born again, you're born into God's family. I mean, this is what he tells us here at the beginning when he says, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. He says that um, it doesn't matter what kind of person you are, whether a Jew or a Greek, a slave or a free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Meaning, when you're born again, when you put your faith in Christ, we talked about the, the rope and how, you know, when you put your faith in Christ, he connects you to God. That's, you're born again when you put your faith in Christ. But just like a natural child is born into a family, 
spiritually, when you're born again as a Christian, you're born into a community, a family. You're called to the church. Right? That's, that's part of how God designed you to live in this community. So when you're born again, you're born into a family. We see this in Ephesians 1, 5, where he says that he predestined us to be adopted as sons. He's using family language, sons. You've been adopted into a family. We see it in 1 Peter 1. Peter was Jesus's, one of his closest friends. And he says, since you've purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, talking about the family, love for each other, from a pure heart, love one another constantly because you've been born again. All this is saying, look, if you're a Christian, you belong to God's family. Now, I know, I, I know that we... Um, we here in the West can be incredibly in, in, individualistic, meaning that we think that you, um, you find yourself by focusing on yourself, and, and, and the height of all worth and value is the individual. And, and it, honestly, it makes us do crazy things when we live to the extremes as if we don't really need people. But God... The, the, the designer of the basketball goal created us in such a way that there are pieces that have to be in place before we ever understand who he's made us to be. And it's to live in community. So when you're born again, you're born into the family. The second thing that I want you to understand is that you discover your unique purpose in the community of the church. You discover your unique purpose in the community. Again, we would say in our culture, you know, if you, if you ever watch a Disney movie, follow the voice within, right? Be your true self. Listen to your heart. What does that mean? What is the voice within? What's the heart? You see, we, we buy into the idea that if... If, you know, if I just look deep down inside, I'm going to figure out who I am. But it doesn't work that way. We were designed to have people who look at us and reflect back to us who we are. Have you ever had a friend who, who points out a trait in you or they say, you know, you're so fill in the blank. You know, you're so, you're so thoughtful or, or you're so... Um, you're so honest all the time, or you're so certain. It's like you, you don't even realize things about yourself until someone points them out, and you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, that's, that's one of my characteristics, one of my traits. You were designed for that. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I know I might offend someone, and I don't want to offend anybody when I say this, but there's this idea floating around in our culture that even our children, we won't even tell them what gender they are because they're supposed to follow the voice inside. They're supposed to discover their own heart. They're supposed to tell us what they are. And I, I don't think that's progressive. I think that's really cruel because your child is not equipped to tell you what they are. They were designed to be born into a family that looks at them and says, here's what you are. You're a boy. You're a girl. 
And more than that, here's your personality. We can see these gifts and these traits and these characteristics in you. That's how God made us to grow up. And the same is true spiritually. We were designed to discover our purpose. Some of you are a hand. And if you're out there and you're just a hand and you're like, I don't really understand myself. I don't understand my life. I don't, you know, it's like I, you don't understand being a hand until you're connected to a body that has an arm and a brain that tells it what to do, right? Then you understand what it is to be a hand. You're designed to discover your purpose. If you've, if you've been wondering, okay, God, what are my gifts? What, what's my purpose? How do I fit? What, like, what do you want me to do with my life? Like, if you're in that place, I want to tell you, you need to be connected to a community because that's where you discover it, okay? So that's the second thing. I, um, I, I'd like to maybe show you this before I share my third point. And I just need a volunteer. Is there anybody that would be willing to come up? Maybe if you have a mask on. I just, we're talking about having a human body. And so if you would come up and, and stand here, I'm not gonna make you talk in public and I won't embarrass you, I promise. Is there anybody here that will just come and stand right here and help me illustrate something? Somebody? Jeremy, come on up. Let's give Jeremy a hand. Thank you, Jeremy, for coming up here. This is so powerful, I, I think, when we begin to see this, okay? Because, you know, we, we look at Paul's metaphor of the body, and, and so it helps us to have a human body. So, Jeremy, thank you so much. This is Jeremy, everyone, and uh, he is one of our house church leaders here, and an amazing guy. And all I need you to do, Jeremy, is actually just to kind of hold your, your, your hand out like this. And we, you know, Paul talks about being a hand or an ear or a nose or whatever. And, and I just want you to picture this, if you just hold that for a second, okay? Um, now, this, this might hurt a little bit, but this is actually, it's for a good cause. And I just want you to kind of, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to cut your hand off. I'm not going to. Okay, but what would happen to the hand if I were to cut the hand off? It would fall to the ground, number one. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. Uh, it, it would probably bleed a lot, right? And eventually, that hand would go from this beautiful skin tone right here to like a cold, pallid blue, it, and it would shrivel up, and it would eventually die, right? That's what would happen. And what would happen to the body if I cut the, if I cut the hand off? Right? It, it would bleed a lot, right? I mean, that would be a mess up here if I, I actually, it'd be terrible, like rated R, like church service right here. But what would happen is we could probably somehow get that bleeding to stop, and eventually, we could get his arm to heal, and the body would keep going. It would still live, but every time that it was trying to do something that needed two hands, it would always be impaired or disabled, right? Okay, give, give, give Jeremy a big hand. Thank you so much for coming up here. Okay. You were designed to grow in community. 
okay? If I were to take that, that same illustration and bring one of our young ones up here, that would probably be more accurate for who we are because I don't care how old you are, I don't care how long you've been walking with God, you're not done growing yet. And if you could picture a young hand, a young hand that's still learning how to write, a young hand that's still learning how to catch a ball, a, a, a young hand that's still learning how to play an instrument, right? A, a, a young hand that is still learning cursive and how to get the movements just right. It, that's more like you and I because we're still in the process. We're still growing. But if I were to sever a hand that was still in the process of growing, it's going to stop growing. And eventually, it's going to shrivel up and die. My friends, you were designed to grow in community. Yeah, I know, you're still, you're st still learning. Me too. You're still learning what it means to serve Jesus and, and how to love people and, and how to you know, use your gifts. Me too. We're all still learning, but we don't wait until we're a fully grown hand before we connect to the body. We have to grow into this together. You were designed to grow in the community of the church. So, I want us to briefly talk about what kind of community that we grow in. Like, what is that kind of community? Because if I were to take a plant and just get some nasty old soil that has no nutrients in it and put that plant in there and be like, grow, it's not going to grow, right? It, it needs sun, it needs water, and it needs the nutrients. And I want to talk about what is the soil that we have to create together. We have to cultivate to be a church where people can grow in community. I just want to show you a list. If you are uh, looking at our screens, you'll see this. Biblical community is number one, it's loving. That's the kind of soil that we have to cultivate here. Paul said it in this passage. He said, if one member suffers, we all suffer. And if one member is honored, we all rejoice. Meaning we, we show love and care and honor for one another. That's the kind of community that God's calling us to be. John 13, words of Jesus, he says, I give you a new, co a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. The second thing, biblical community is encouraging. It's encouraging. And that is a major distinction, to be an encouraging body. He Hebrews 3.13 said, encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Hebrews 10.25, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, talking about being connected, but instead encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. We're to be encouraging. Third, we're to be honest. The kind of soil that we have to create is the kind of church where we can say, I sinned this week. I fell. I was tempted and I totally 
I just took the bait and I did it. And I just want to tell you that because James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. I'm afraid that a lot of you may have had church backgrounds where you went to a church and you felt like I have to put the mask on when I walk in the door. I've got to say, oh, everything's fine. No problems here. And that's not the kind of soil that we have to create. We have to be people who can say, I sinned, I struggle. We also need to be the kind of honest community that says, if you see me falling out of step, if you see me falling out of line, would you be honest with me and tell me? If you see me talking to my wife or my husband in a way that doesn't honor them, could you please just lovingly like, help me see that? Because that's honest. Honest community. Fourth, accepting. <laughs> so important. Romans 15.7 says, welcome one another, just as Christ has welcomed you to the glory of God. And when I say welcome, I want you to picture arms wide open, like, come on in. We accept one another. We don't always agree with each other. We have differences. We, we have different doctrines and things that we're like, you know, I see that one this way, and you're like, no, I, just, I see it this way. But we still follow Jesus. We still love one another. And we have to develop a community that can say, we still accept one another. We still accept one another. Fifth, sacrificial. This is, this is key, a key distinction to what it means to be a Christian community. 1 John 3.16, we all, we all know John 3.16. My kids and I, have, we've been rehearsing it this week. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Love that verse. Here's 1 John 3.16. This is how we've come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Acts 2 shows the picture of the early church, and it says that they were selling their property and their possessions, giving their, their uh, proceeds to anyone who had need. That's sacrificial community. Sixth, it's Christ-centered. It's Christ-centered. Christian community must have Jesus at the center Ephesians 4.16 says, From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Because Jesus is at the center. So, this is the kind of community that we can actually grow in. Right? So, I want to close with this. I want to talk about how do we live this out here at Renaissance Church. We live this out in smaller groups called house churches. Now, we love our gathering like this, and this is an incredible way that we get to see one another and love one another. But in reality, we only see each other for a few moments, either before a service or after a service, and we don't get a chance to really know what's going on in each other's lives. And we surely can't love everybody in the same uh, way or the same intensity because there's so many of us. 
And so we have to uh, break this down into smaller groups where we can actually live out what biblical community is meant to be. And so we do this through house churches. A house church is a set of relationships that gather regularly in a home or a similar setting for the purpose of reaching not yet believers, building true community, and becoming more like Christ with the goal of duplicating itself so that more people can belong and more disciples can be made. And when I give those six things, those six markers of biblical community, that's what we're doing in those groups. That's what we are living out together. We're living out those things in house church. And what I want to do is just uh, have our house church leaders that are in the room, if you would just stand for us real quick, wherever you are. And I just want to point out these people to you. So if you're a house church leader, I am actually a house church leader. So I'm standing. Uh, That's my wife, Casey, over there. We lead one. And uh, we have um, Katie over here and Glenn and Ben. And uh, who is there anybody else from your group that's your Selene, are you in the room? Where are you? Oh, she just, she, just walked, she just walked out of the room. Okay, so they have a young adult house church and you guys are meeting on Wednesday nights, right? Yeah, in great house church. We have Herman and Chelsea right here who are with um, Sarah and Jeremy who stood up there. If y'all wanna wave, all, how about all four of y'all wave for us? And they lead a house church and you guys are also meeting on a Wednesday night, is that right? Yeah, awesome. And then we have uh, Zach in April, who also have the Zapitas, that's Jordan right there, and his wife's not here today, Lauren, but they all lead one that's also on Wednesday nights, and of course, we know COVID has been crazy and weird, and so we're not uh, all doing those exactly the same way. Some of those are online, some of those are in smaller gatherings, and, um, but I would love for you to just know who these people are. If you're looking for a place to connect, connect with them, give them a big round of applause and thank them. Okay, cool. So every one of these house churches is unique and different because some of them are led by hands and by ears and by noses and by toenails and whatever else, body part, okay? So they're all different, unique, and we're totally cool with that, okay? So if you go to one, you're like, ah, it's not for us. Try another one because they're all unique. But I want to encourage you that you need community. You need to grow in community, I don't want you to end up with a life that looks like my basketball goal right now, (laughs) laying in pieces, okay? I want you to discover everything that God has created you to do and to be. I want you to live out your purpose, but you're not going to do it alone. You need the church for that. You need the body of Christ. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.